0: Hey, open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 11. For all of our first-time guests, thank you again for being here, and I look forward to the opportunity of meeting you today uh, out in the foyer or in, in our cafe area. I'll stand out there. I look forward to meeting you. We have been doing a series for the past several weeks. I've lost count now of how many weeks, at least uh, 10, about uh, a, a titled in, uh, a series entitled Grow. You can put that graphic up, it's fine. Because I believe that the Lord has been... Uh, something going on with the sound. Vince, I can't get in my sweet spot just yet. Help me out. You can give me a little stage and I probably a little less house. So the Lord had been talking to me about growing the body of Christ, that Christians need to grow up. Because let me tell you something, the world is in disarray, but understand this, that regardless of what goes down in the earth, good, bad, or indifferent, God has a plan for it. I shared with you a few weeks ago that um, in in Hebrew culture, and Hebrew thought, that everything that happened, God had his hand in. That's why Job said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust. See, some old preachers would, would preach stuff like Job didn't know he was just going through. He didn't know God didn't do it. God don't do stuff like that. God allows everything. I got a Bible for that. When he set the children of Israel, the uh, uh yeah, the children of Israel when they were in captivity under Pharaoh, when he set them free. You watch it and go back and read it. The Bible says, this ain't even what I'm preaching, but I feel something right here. Uh the Bible says that when he sent the plagues to Egypt, he did not let Pharaoh's house initially be affected by the plagues. And he told Pharaoh, he said, Moses, tell Pharaoh that God kept him just so that other people will see through him how strong I am. So even when stuff is going on, God has a purpose for it. And when the children of Israel came out, went to the Red Sea? You know the whole Red Sea situation happened simply because they was thinking about turning around. And God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. What do you mean hardened his heart? Because his heart was softened. Because if you go back and read that text, when they came out, he gave them offerings so that when they left, they would be better than what they came in. Y'all don't hear me Because when God delivers you He makes you better See many of us don't want to go in But we don't understand that when I go in God makes me better when I come out And they came out richer Than they, when they went in But they thought about turning around And God says hey Pharaoh Ain't you mad at them? Ain't you mad at them leaving? I know you gave them an offer and everything But aren't you mad? Go get them God pushed him To chase the children of Israel, so that when they got to the water and they thought about turning around, remember they was mad at Moses, we had all the food we need in captivity, you brought us out here in freedom to die, maybe we should go back, and God says, no, 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 Pharaoh, go get them. and so they came in between a rock and a hard place, because God caused the enemy to chase them. And you got to understand that sometimes in Hebrew thought, they say that God is in control of everything and he uses the devil as a fan in the flames of your life. (laughs) I tell you what though, I'm okay with being hot as long as I know that the fanner is on my side because the fanner knows how much I can take. That's enough. Let it die down. All right, here we go again. Oh, that's enough. I don't want him to let go. God has a purpose for everything but as the body of christ we need to grow up so we can understand that the stuff that's happening in the earth today maybe god allows it to happen to push those who need him to his house and if everybody in his house is on bottles then the babies that really come will never grow they'll die you can't keep being a baby when you should be a toddler you can't keep being a toddler when you, when you should be whatever's next, what's next? An adolescent, which I don't like. I don't like adolescents. We're the only, you know, you know us in Europe are the only cultures that uh, have adolescence. In the bush of Africa, when you're 12, you're a man. There is no 13 to 25 to figure out life. That's just in, that's just in our culture, in the north culture, northern, in, our, in the northern hemisphere, that's just our culture. You understand what i'm saying every other culture says hey you're a man now you don't get a chance to play with life and say i don't like that no i don't like that i don't like that you don't get that when you turn 12 they bar mitz for you kick you into manhood go find your wife have some babies get a job okay anyway let me let me so we're talking about growing up this is our culture our culture gives to we're laxed on stuff we shouldn't be laxed on And rigid on stuff we shouldn't be rigid on. (sighs) Let me breathe. I'm going to start my clock now. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about growing up. So let me just jump in. Go out to our website, all of our sermons, uh, all of the series, the sermons in this series out there absolutely free. Or you could order them here and get them absolutely free. We don't charge for that. And we want you to get it and share the word of God. So, today I want to go forward a little bit more or a little deeper into this series called Grow, and I'm going to read from John chapter 11. I'll start at verse 1. I'm going to read from the Message Bible, and um, this message is for the mature, okay? What you saying, you about to be rated R? No, but it's a concept. You got to get this concept. So let's read. So I want to take chunks of this text. There's a lot of reading, and I want to read it all at one time. We'll just take chunks and kind of uh, dissect it as we go. And it reads, 11.1, the Gospel of John, a man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha, uh, Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sisters sent the word to Jesus. Master, the one who you love very much, so very much, is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion To show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Verse 5 goes on to say, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So far, our scripture reading this morning. I want to talk to you uh, this morning from this thought. God's delay equals my development. God's delay equals my development. One of the hardest things to do is wait. One of the hardest things to do is to wait. I planted some uh, green peppers, bell peppers in my little yard my little garden a long time ago (laughs) earlier this summer and uh i got like one or two off of it and you know i was mad at at at, uh, home depot because i was like y'all keep selling me deflect defective uh vegetation surely i should get more than two bell peppers off this plant well the problem is the ground is very much fertilized and i mean i even use uh, uh, Epsom salt, because it's good for your plants. So, y'all, y'all know that dish. Epsom salt good for your plants. It ain't just good for your sore ankles and knees for you to soak in. It ain't just good for when you're backed up. It's good for your plants, too. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, I'm, I, hey, but I got two good bell peppers from it. I was cool. I was down. I mean, I just like walking outside, being able to pick my own food. Yeah. Talking about organic, that's a good feeling, man. It's a really good feeling. And so, uh, But as I thought it was finished, I started seeing more grow. Got about five of them growing right now. And I was like, wow. I thought it was over. Holy Ghost said, no, you just didn't want to wait. You wanted it when you wanted it. You was tired of watering it. You was tired of watching it. You was ready to eat its fruit. So you satisfied with two pieces when I had a bushel for you. I could be finished preaching right here, right? Yeah. And so then the other day I was sitting outside and a gust of wind was blowing. And I had, a, there was some laying, uh, hanging and I'm thinking I'm going to let them, I'm going to, you know, now I'm trying to be patient now. I'm going to let them be. I'm not going to pick them. And so what I went and I put the, uh, the tomato thing over it so they could have good support and, you know, all of that. And so when the gust of wind came, it blew my Uh, umbrella over and it brushed up against the pepper plant and two of them fell off two of the big ones that I thought man I'm gonna let these grow a little bit bigger but the other ones didn't fall off I said man I hate that these fell off because I was gonna see how big they were gonna grow and the Holy Ghost says to me again said that's your problem you want stuff to stay when I'm ready for it to move it was time for you to take it But you didn't want to take it because you had your own agenda. But it was so easy that as soon as it brushed up again, it fell off because they were ready. You just didn't know. And you run the risk of losing the fruit. When you're not discerning enough to know when it's time to pick the fruit. You understand what I'm saying? So anyway. Why was I telling y'all that? I... Oh, patience, we don't want to wait. There you go, thank you so much. Because all of that is a sermon in and of itself. You know what I'm saying? It's just all sermons, and it just, when I'm outside, I just see so much stuff, and I'm like, oh, I could preach that, and I could preach that, because I believe that creation is preachable. Amen. Amen. Life is a preachable, teachable moment. So anyway, I said all that to say we don't like to wait, and the bottom line is this, waiting ain't fun, but it is fundamental crucial, okay? Waiting is frustrating, and oftentimes it is disgusting, (laughs) but it is developmental. When you go through the text of Scripture, we find people who had to wait for many years. Here's some. Joseph waited 13 years after God gave him the vision that everybody was going to have to bow down to him, you know the vision that took him through all that drama in his life, it was 13 years. Let me tell you something, our instant society really makes it hard for God to be God in our lives. Because instant society says you got to have it now and when the age of the microwave came in, baby, it is over. You know what I'm saying? Because everything is microwavable then they started them steamables, vegetables, you don't have to cook a vegetable. You just put every vegetable you want, just pop it in the microwave. That mean they're good. I mean, you can't deny that it, it works. But it, it, it is for our consumption, but the whole mindset of microwave living is not for the human. Because the way God operates, God is a God of waiting. He's a God of waiting. Look. Abraham waited 25 years for the promise. 25 years. What was the promise, Abraham? That the Lord was going to give me a son. How old were you when he told you that? 75. Well, you was crazy for asking. (laughs) 75? 25 years later, the promise came. I ain't got time to teach that. Moses waited 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, walking around in the wilderness with a group of people, four million people who complained all the time, halfway didn't like it, 40 years. David, anointed to be king, waited 15 years to take the throne. What must it feel like to know you're the king, but have to wait until it's your season? That's a whole nother, see, this is the kind of stuff I preach when I come into a group of preachers or a group of people who feel like they're leaders. They feel like I'm anointed. Just because you have anointing and anointing doesn't mean it's your season. Because if you, if you are anointed and out of season, it will be just like you have no anointing. Because time and destiny work together. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, the truth is, years ago, I preached the same text, and uh, i try to remember what, what, uh, what, uh, what the title was, but years ago, and I talked about the fact that when, when uh, Lazarus was born, I can't get into this, it's going to mess up my time, God started the plan for his life. But then there are seasons that happen, and the timing that God had had to collide with his season. Timing and season come together. Because here is the deal. When we look at Lazarus, and this is not what I'm preaching, but nobody ever can tell us why Lazarus died. They don't even talk about it. We know people who died because they had scurvy or they had uh, uh, leprosy and all of that kind of stuff and stuff will fall off with Lazarus. I believe that Lazarus was diagnosed with a thing called purpose. Because if you let it, purpose will kill you if you deal with purpose correctly. See, people think that purpose is supposed to make you rich. Purpose is supposed to kill you because you're supposed to receive the purpose that God has for you and not one that you have called out for yourself. That ain't what I'm preaching. So anyway, Lazarus dies, y'all. God is a God of waiting. And what we see in this text is that it opens up with these two sisters And this guy, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, very famous, but I like them because these people are really like family to Jesus. Because what we understand about Jesus is that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So, Jesus was a traveler, okay? Don't get me wrong. He was not without money. He was a traveler because he was a carpenter. So, he had a trade. Okay? This is another thing I would be preaching to preachers. Quit getting off your job when it ain't time. Because Jesus raised the dead and had a job. (laughs) All right. Whole nother thing. So, uh, (laughs) man, I don't know. We're in trouble tonight. We're in trouble today. I got to get out of here, Tim. You're going to have to help me get out of here on time. Okay. So, (laughs) Jesus comes on the scene in this particular pericope because the sisters say that their their brother is sick, and so they send word to Jesus, hey, go tell Jesus that Lazarus, and I love the way they do it, whom he loves is sick. Okay, because there's a lot of people named Lazarus around in that time. So let's not get it twisted, lest he be too busy. They wanted to leverage their relationship with Jesus and say, hey, Lazarus, your boy. No, and literally, that's it. The word love, this is not agape love. Okay, this is phileo love, which is an intimacy, which says, you're my road dog. Because when Jesus came into Bethany, this is where he stayed. He stayed at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. Okay, when we get that whole thing about uh, Martha, Martha, you're troubled with much serving. Sit down somewhere because Jesus came into the house and Mary sat at his feet and Martha got mad. That's because Jesus hung out. The last fellowship he had, the last small group that Jesus went to was at their house before he went to the cross. Jesus went to small groups. I just want to talk to the Christians who don't ever go to small groups, who don't want to come out to Wednesday night Bible study, don't want to do nothing but come to church on Sunday, but you call yourself Christians. Just let me breathe. (laughs) It's just be like uncomfortable, like, ooh, that's me. Mm -hmm, It's you. Let's sit here for a minute because you want to keep having all his scriptures and all his sayings and you know, you got a picture of him in your house, whether he's black or white. I don't know. It do not matter. But you got a picture. You call it Jesus. But you don't act like him. So anyway, these was his people. And he was out somewhere doing ministry with his boys. And they said, hey, go tell Jesus that Lazarus, his buddy, is sick. And so that's what happens. Now this is real interesting to me because to me, I see Mary and Martha as us praying. We send our prayers to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm in trouble. I just lost my job. Hey, Jesus, I need help. I'm late on this or I'm late on that. Hey, Jesus, I need help. I just got a bad diagnosis. Hey, Jesus, I need help. Uh, My relationships are falling apart. Jesus, I need help. And so the word comes to Jesus that Lazarus, whom you love, is sick, and then Jesus Says to himself, "Oh, this sickness ain't unto death. Oh, this is not fatal." In other words, he's saying it's going to be all right. Okay. While I appreciate that, you didn't send that message back to them. I mean, after all, they wasn't texting. They had to send somebody to find Jesus, and Jesus didn't say, "Hey, go back and tell them that everything was going to be all right," because. If he had done that, they would've probably been okay, because after all, this is Jesus. We are praying to you or sending you a request because we know know that you're able. So send word back that it's gonna be all right. And Jesus said nothing other than, this sickness is not unto death. That is the equivalent of you praying and him not answering. Have you ever prayed and didn't get an answer? I just feel like that's not right. It is not right for me to talk to you and you not answer. It is so frustrating. I, my mama used to do the same. My mama and my dad would do the same thing to me. Mama, can I, to, uh, can I go to the mall? She was just like, I never said nothing. Mama, can I go to the mall? Mama. And I mean, we're sitting in the same room. She's watching the news. Like, I am not there. Mama. Then I go into mom. Ma'am. Ma'am, ma'am. Mama, can I go? Ma'am. Ma'am, ma'am. Can I go? And it's the frustrating thing when you know you're in the room and there is no answer. Same thing. God, I know you hear me. After all, you're God. (laughs) And then you don't respond. Well, the fact that there is a crisis, the thing that happens is that crisis creates opportunities. It creates opportunities for waiting. And that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to wait. Waiting, like crisis, creates an opportunity. So then what's the opportunity? Here's what the text shows us, that all of the waiting, because Jesus hung out where he was for two days knowing that Lazarus was sick. Come on, y'all. Y'all know y'all have cut some people off in your life because you sent them a message that there's something going on with me and I ain't heard from you. I told you two days ago that I had a flat tire. I could be dead laying down side the road and I ain't heard from you. Come on. You know that you have unfriended some people. Because they didn't respond to you in your time of need. Wasn't nobody about to die, but you just wanted them to respond. I cracked my phone. I told you three days ago I cracked my phone. You ain't said nothing. I just figured your phone wasn't working, so I just figured why well, respond. I don't know. <laughs> so Jesus stays there for two days, and you know, there's there is some tension in the text because you would think that because this is your close friend you would come running. That's what their expectation was. Their expectation is that when we give you the word that Lazarus, whom you love, <laughs> is sick, that you're going to come running. So the tension here in the text, that we find out from the community later on that there really is tension in the text. Because later on somebody says, well, we seen him open the eyes of the blind. If he should have came here and got this boy, make sure this boy wasn't going to die. So the, even the community was a little... Mm, with Jesus, because we've seen you do some stuff. Now, all of a sudden, you're too busy to come over here. So now, this creates an opportunity, listen, for God or for Jesus to teach some stuff with his disciples. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, we're picking up here kind of in the middle of some things, and he says when he says these things, and then announced our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. His soul, wait, wait now? So now Jesus knows that Lazarus is no longer sick, he's dead. See, Jesus and God and the Holy Ghost got all this this communication going on. But Mary and Martha somewhere crying, and the disciples thinking now, watch what they thinking. So the disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling better. Because, you know, they felt like, well, if you sleep, what you need while you're sick, you need rest. So he's getting some rest. He going to wake up <laughs> and he's going to be all right. I kind of feel like I, I kind of feel like I know what Jesus felt at that moment. Because watch what his response was. <laughs> Jesus says, Jesus was talking about death while his disciples thought that he was t- talking about taking a nap. And then Jesus became explicit so now here here is what here is what i see i see jesus said hey guys our friend lazarus is falling asleep I, I need to go and wake him up and then the people who who've been walking with and teaching and pouring himself into still thinking on a fleshly level yeah, right, right. saying like well jesus if he sleep, let him sleep he'll feel better when he get up in other words we ain't got to go deal with that let's do what we doing i mean and so he had to get explicit say hey He dead. How long I gotta deal with that? Since y'all didn't get it. I'm talking on a spiritual level, you talking on a natural level, so let me come to your level. He dead. He frustrated. That's what I feel in the text. I just feel like maybe he's a little frustrated in the text because after all, I've been walking with y'all for so long. When I'm talking on a certain level, you can't come to, why is it that I gotta always come to your level and you can't ever come to mine? You see? I'm talking about because as you go through the text of Scripture in the New Testament, Paul starts talking about stuff falling asleep. We shall not all sleep. You see what I'm saying? So sleep is death. But the natural-minded disciples can't let Jesus be Jesus. Can't let God in the flesh be God because they're always thinking on a fleshly level. This ain't even one I came to preach, but it's laying right here in the text. I might as well deal with it. Don't keep being so fleshly that you miss opportunities to come to where God is. Because you so hurt and so bent over that you got to call him to where you are. Sometimes he wants you to come to where God is. Paul will go on to write, whatsoever things are true and lovely, think on these things. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. See, our problem is we're so hooked on what happens with Trump that we're missing what was happening with God. You're going to have to turn CNN off. You're going to have to turn Fox off. Because all they talk about is Trump, 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 Trump. And what you need to be hearing is God, 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 God. And so what you want, God, I need you to come down here and fix this. And God's like, what? Child, please, I want you to come up here and see what I'm doing. I don't got time to come down there with you. That stuff is going to handle itself. I've already set some stuff in the earth. As a matter of fact, some of that is my plan. And you're missing it because you're watching it. So he had to be explicit and say, ugh, he dead. <laughs> That's what he said. So now, it moves on to verse 15. Look at what he says. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. What, Jesus? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to take that. What are you saying? Lazarus just died and you glad, and you trying to pin that on me, that he did? See, that's how we think in the natural. Now, I'm all offended. I'm in my feelings. Lazarus died, and you trying to pin it on me. It ain't my fault he did. That ain't what I said. He said, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, because what's about to happen is going to benefit you. What are you saying? He says, I'm delaying Mary and Martha so I can teach you some stuff right here. Oh, God. Sometimes you can't understand his ways. And I'm getting to the place where I just stop trying to understand and just go with the flow. Because my friends over there crying their they eyes out because they lost their brother. And you are on a teaching assignment with us. Look at what he says. He says, uh, so then he goes on. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there because you are about to be given new grounds for believing. Now, let's go to him. Then Thomas says, uh, the one called twin, says uh, to his companion, let's go. Let's go die with him, which also says now they still don't understand what's going on. So, let me back up. before jesus left jerusalem bethany area they tried to kill jesus so what thomas said to him was or some of the guys says hey we don't need to go back there right now because you know the last time you said they tried to kill you we don't need to go back and jesus has conversations. y'all go back and read it has conversations and he says some stuff that's sometimes a little uh, is hard to interpret but he's basically saying listen there's only but 12 days you got to do what you got to do you got to do what you got to do that's what he's basically saying And so then he goes on to say to them, hey, Lazarus is sick or Lazarus is asleep. Well, let him sleep. He's like, no, Lazarus is dead and I need to go wake him up and I'm glad that he died so I can teach y'all something. Oh, so then understand that when God waits, he creates opportunity to teach us something. Here's number one, waiting on God gives you the opportunity to deepen your faith waiting on God. See, Jesus said to them, I'm glad that I wasn't there because what's about to happen will cause you to have deeper faith. You hear me? God doesn't rush stuff because he has a plan for the time in between. Okay, um, I, think it's, I think it's Genesis that says that as long as that the earth exists, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. And see, people read that as seed time, meaning a time to sow seed. I believe that reads there will be seed, there will be time, and there will be harvest. Because the thing that happens in between the planting and the outcome is really the thing that matters the most. I found that out in my little gardening. Because on, on the seasons that I travel a lot and I'm not there watering my plants, I don't get the return on investment. Because he says it's gonna yield something because there was a seed. But the what determines what it yields is how you operate in the time. You see? You want to be happily married ever after. It is the ever after. It is the marriage. what, What makes it happily is what you do in the time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You just can't plant and then say it's going to come up. It is going to come up. But the quality of what comes up is contingent upon how you handle the time. So, while they were waiting for God or waiting for Jesus to move, he says, what's about to happen? The waiting is for you. Oh, we don't like that. Jesus, I asked for a miracle. Ordering, can I get a number one? Please, can I get a number one? He says, okay, got it. Now, let's just deal with how you act in between the order and the window where they bring it. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. How you gonna deal with that? I gotta go, but that could be kind of, it's frustrating to me now that they got these two order windows in a lot of these places. I mean, order microphones, and then, I'll be trying to wonder, how you know at the window which car is which? Because both of us order at the same time, one pull off, but if my order is shorter than theirs, and I get in front of them, but that's who you was talking to. How do we do that? It's just always frustrating to me, and honestly, I really don't like it. I don't like when somebody pulls in front of me. I hate it. But what I don't know is that I don't know what their software is, what they are working with in there. I don't know how they tell what they tell. They get it right, I just don't know how. And so the hard part is not knowing while waiting. So what you gotta do is trust That when you give the lady at the first window your money, that the second window is going to get it right. That's the trust factor. Because it ain't like, you know, you handing it to me and I'm paying you at the same time the exchange. No, now with them two windows, it is, I'm going to trust y'all. See what I'm saying? Because we don't know how it works. But this whole waiting thing is the same way. God... How I act, listen, while I'm waiting, is the contingency, or it is the same, I should say, as uh, paying. Okay, that's faith. Faith is the exchange in the heavenly or in the spiritual like money is in the earth. Y'all with me? Oh, this is, okay. All right, I'm pushing on. Y'all getting tired. So look, it is how you wait, how you trust that determines what's going to happen at window number two. You see what I'm saying? Because if you cut up too bad in that, in that line, when you get to window number two, they're going to be like, here, just take your money back. We don't, we don't want to fool with you. Or you may have some added stuff to your... Okay. So waiting on God gives you opportunity to deepen your faith. Now listen. So now Thomas says, when Jesus says, we're about to go back to Judah, the guys started talking to Judea or Bethany, or Jerusalem. We have, they started talking and Thomas says, hey, Let's go on and go with him. Let's die with him. Because they were still thinking on a fleshly level. So what they were really thinking is, if Jesus go back to Jerusalem, they're going to kill him. Well, I'm willing to die with him. Let's go. So here's number two. Waiting on God gives you the opportunity, listen, to deepen your loyalty. They had to decide that regardless of what the outcome is, I'm still going to do this. See, that's what happens when you have an expectation or a prayer through to God, and you don't know how he's going to answer, but you have to decide, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Deepens your loyalty when you're waiting on God. Am I going to stay here? Am I going to do this? Or am I going to go to somewhere comfortable? When we, uh, when we started doing mobile church... We lost a few people, not many, but we lost a few. And we lost a few, I I feel like, because, you know, you want to come to church to worship. You don't necessarily want to come to church to work. But coming to church to work, setting all this stuff up every week, deepens your loyalty. Coming just to worship deepens your comfortability. You know what I'm saying? that's, that's, That's the whole thing. People that come set up, Never have to tell me I'm loyal. When you beat me here and still stay through service and still break down, I know you're loyal. God allows us sometimes to hang out in between the ask and the answer just so you will have time to deepen your loyalty. Because when your loyalty is deepened, you'll say, regardless of the outcome, I'll still believe. See, that's maturity you hear me? That's maturity. And you never, oh, okay, let me go. Let me keep going. I'll get to that one in a minute. Now, he moves from teaching this lesson to the disciples, and he heads back to Bethany where Mary and Martha is. And so now we find that he also teaches the same lesson, this whole waiting thing, what happens in waiting to Mary, Martha, and their community. So let's go at 17. 17. When Jesus finally got there, he found, uh, he found Lazarus already four days dead. So he stayed where he was two days. And then it obviously took him two days to get to where he was going. So listen, I don't care how you slice that. Jesus was intentionally late. <laughs> you want to talk about a, a, a grand entrance. Dude, he was more than fashionably late. He was intentional. Now, some theologians say he had to be late because what they believed back there in that time was that uh, uh, a spirit didn't leave the body until after four days, or until four days, spirit is gone from the body. So in other words, if that was going to be really a miracle, he needed to wait to make sure everybody knew that it was a miracle and there was no questions. Like, nah, Lazarus, what really did. You know, he was just asleep, right? He was, just in a, he was in a coma, and they done buried that man. And he was in a coma. Now he is out of the coma, and Jesus is taking credit for it. Jesus is like, we're not even going down like that. Ain't going to be no question that this is me. Four days late. So watch verse 18. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and it says, uh, verse and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 2, 22. It's just, this is heavy to me because now we are, how we say, quasi-blaming Jesus for the death but it also told me, this also tells me the level of your faith because what you believe is that Jesus could heal him, but you weren't thinking that Jesus could raise him. So I called you while he was alive because I got faith for you for the living. Keep going. She says in verse 22, even now I know that whatever you ask, he will give to you. Jesus says, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. Jesus goes, you don't have to wait for the end. When I start, I just, just threw my, I said, no, wait a minute. Jesus, you intentionally waited in another city, only to get to these people and tell them that there are some things you don't have to wait for. God says there are some things you have to wait for, but in the middle of your waiting, there are some things you don't have to wait for. You do have to wait for my timing, but you do not have to wait to know more about me. So then, point number whatever point this will be for you three waiting on God listen gives us the opportunity to reveal our faith now watch we first get it revealed because we understand that she believes that he can heal but she ain't convinced that he could raise from the dead faith revealed but she goes on to say even now I know you can ask God, he can give you whatever you're asking. So now I find out that you still do have faith. Even though you hurt, disappointed, might be mad, you broken, my brother is dead, you could have fixed this, Jesus, we didn't have to go through this. She says, but even now, I know you still got this. And sometimes God allows you to wait so we can deal with the even now faith that needs to be developed in you. I know it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, in the time that you wanted it to happen, in the season of your life you wanted it to happen. But can you say, even though that didn't happen, even now I know you still can. See, that takes maturity. Come on. It takes maturity to say, even though you didn't heal my mama, I know you can heal my best friend's mama. Even now. Come on, even now. I know you couldn't help me save my house, but Lord, I'm praying for my coworker who's about to lose their house, even now. See, that's maturity. And God lets you wait for stuff in your life just so we can reveal, he can reveal your level of faith. Who do you want to reveal it to, God? I want to reveal it to God himself. She reveals her faith to Jesus, listen. She reveals her faith to her community and she also reveals her faith to herself. Because let me tell you something, you don't know how much you really believe until you get in a situation where you are faced with maybe not believing. I didn't know how mature I was until I could bury my son and pray for somebody else's son not to die. That's when I knew, oh boy, you might, you might have been growing. Because that ain't easy. You see? When, when you have to pray, heal my son, and you don't. But then you rejoice for others that their child get healed and raised up. That's when your faith is really revealed. And it's in that waiting process. It is the waiting. Why did this happen to me? I don't know. Listen, wait for the answer. In the waiting process, you find how mature your faith really is. You lost your job, but they chose to keep your coworker. And you got to be like, hey, I'm excited for you. I'm glad that happened to you, and I'm going to pray that the company stays strong so they won't lay anybody else off. I'm glad they kept you. That's a maturity. But come on, real Christians ought to have that kind of faith. Because the truth of the matter is, I have to walk away like, okay, God, now you know what I'm really feeling. And I'm going to just say it this way, maybe their faith wasn't wasn't strong enough to handle a layoff. And I got to trust that maybe mine is, so I'm going to trust you that even now, you're still going to work this out. (sighs) I told you this ain't for the babies today. This ain't for the babies. Come on, you, you, gotta be, you gotta be mature in your faith to celebrate somebody while you're losing on one end and they're gaining on the other. You know what I'm saying? You gotta trust that God is in control of your journey just like he's control, in control of their journey because you gotta be honest with yourself. Sometimes you try to figure out which God we talking about. Because they're talking about, ooh, child, God blessed me. He blessed me, and I went to the car dealership and got this car. That was God. And you know that you hiding your car in somebody else's garage because when people coming to get it. Amen. And you're trying to figure out, which, now, which God are we talking about? <laughs> Who are we talking about? Because I'm waiting on God to, because I lost my job three months ago, and I'm waiting on God right now to try to help me keep what I got. And you're telling me your God sent you over there. Who? What? yeah all right so watch uh the next thing waiting on god write this down gives you the opportunity to get to know him better because jesus tells this girl hey i know you think you know what you think you know because now her response to jesus so this is how we do jesus says to her your brother's gonna get raised up and then she's gonna start telling jesus What she believes, I know he's going to be raised up. I know Jesus. I know he's going to be raised up in the great resurrection. That's about your doctrinal stuff. You see, her doctrinal faith told her that there is a great resurrection that's going to happen. And Jesus says, yeah, 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 there is a great resurrection, but I'm trying to get you out of having this. I hated to say it this way because people have messed up this phrase for a long time, but this is where it's really applicable, uh, that you are dealing with your religion. And I want to show you a different relationship. And the reason I hate that is because religion is not a bad thing. Okay, religion, a self binding process. It is what I choose to connect to. Okay, but here's our problem. Our problem is our religion becomes the thing that we worship. And we miss the relational aspects of our faith. Don't say it. Don't say it, y'all. Okay, I ain't gonna say it. They know that was with me. And then so, so, uh, so what Jesus says to her, (laughs) I'm gonna move, no, I ain't gonna say it. Uh, (laughs) What'd you say? Okay, I got too many people telling me no, I better not do it. Look, Mystique telling me no, she don't even know what I'm gonna say. (laughs) So I got to trust the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. I ain't going to say it. All right. So what Jesus is teaching her, she says, I know he's going to raise up. And Jesus says, listen, you don't have to wait for what your religion teaches you. Because of your relationship with me, I'll show it to you right now. Ooh, I'm still choking it back. Okay. So, so he says to her, I'm the resurrection now what you believe is what you had read because you had never met me. But because you have now met me, what you have read and what you have been taught has now come to life. You hear what I'm saying? So he says to her, you don't have to wait for that. Let me keep it moving. What we got? Come on. Oh, it's gone. What time is gone, ain't it? Oh, it didn't buzz. The Holy Ghost told me not to worry about it. Okay, so let's keep running so I get to the end of this. Here it is, verse 28. So now we see that Mary came, fell down, started talking to Jesus, and says, hey, if if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And uh, Jesus said, don't worry about it, your brother's going to live again. No, she says, yeah, I know, in the great resurrection, but I kind of wanted him now. He says, no, 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 you don't have to wait for that. I am that right now. She turns and runs back to her sister. Verse 28, after saying this, she went to her sister, Mary, and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here and is asking for you. I love it because initially it was Lord. Now she runs back calling him teacher because of what he had just revealed. He had taught her something new. You ain't got to wait for that. You can get it right now. See, that's why you got to really understand and know who Jesus is so at the time he's speaking to you can receive what he is at that moment. Some moments he's healer. Other moments he's Lord. Some moments he's teacher. So she runs back and say, the teacher is here. (laughs) It was the Lord that was here before, but now it's the teacher. Girl, the teacher want to see you. Now, I struggle with all that because none of that is in the text. I, I, I don't know why the writers forgot that. The writers never said, hey, go tell your sister. I said, come here. Maybe she knew that, girl, you need to hear this for yourself. Jesus wants to see you go out there. So, here we go. Verse 29. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Watch this. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to Jesus, where Jesus was waiting. Oh wait. So now we find that not only were the disciples waiting. Not only was Mary and Martha in the community waiting, now Jesus was waiting. What you waiting on, Jesus? I mean, you're the end result of all of this. What are you waiting on? Holy Ghost says, because God waits on us when we think that we're waiting on him. See, we think we're waiting on God for stuff, and God has said, no, I'm waiting on you. But what are you waiting for? God, Jesus now is waiting in between the initial request and the outcome. He is waiting to see how you're going to act in between. Are you willing to run to him in between the ask and the answer? Or are you going to stay standoffish until he does? I've been praying for God for 14 years to help my husband and work on this marriage. I ain't going back to church until he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. She got one word. The master is out there. She got up and ran. Watch. And when she runs, the community runs. So she runs to him and he's waiting. I love it. Because listen, God sent me here to tell some families today that you've been praying for some stuff to fix in your family. And he is waiting for you at the middle, directly in the middle of the ask and the answer. He's waiting to see how you're going to handle it. Because we love to say, I'm waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting on Jesus to come through. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father talking about, you know, Daddy, you know I'm waiting on them, right? I mean, after all, we could have fixed this a long time ago. This ain't nothing but a blink of an eye. I'm waiting on them. They not tithing, but they waiting on a miracle in their finances. I'm waiting on them. Come on, I'm waiting on them. They they waiting for me to bless them with a house, but they won't clean up their apartment. I'm waiting on them. I'm waiting on them. They want a job, but they they won't even get up past nine. They won't get up before nine to to apply, and they're waiting on me. I'm waiting on them. They've asked. I have the answer, but it's the middle that they won't get right. What do you mean? Because the middle of waiting, when we start talking about waiting between the answer or the question and the answer or the request and the answer, the waiting in between is not sitting like you're sitting right now. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not fall out why because waiting is not sitting waiting in the in the Hebrew is the word to serve and to do so waiting is not sitting waiting is doing and so as you are doing you get strength you see that's why Jesus says, I'm not going to go all the way to her house. I'm going to wait right here and see if she's willing to put forth the energy to come to me. And the Bible says not only did she come, she came and she worshiped. That word fell down. She fell at his feet, was like, a, like a, a, a dog would lap up the water. She came and she was like, hey, I don't care what's going on, where Lazarus is. The bottom line is I got some challenges. I know I know that if you'd have been here, he'd have been alive, but I still got to worship because that's what I do while I wait.